from ABA Annual Meeting 2018 in Chicago, Illinois. I'm Lee Rawls of the ABA Journal. I'm Mara Corcoran. Melba Pearson. Matt Riedel. Jeremy Alexis. Richard Pena. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us on the road. It's a pleasure to be here. Today, we are talking about the Miranda Warnings Project, which we are being introduced to here at the annual meeting. First of all, I have a large panel of guests, and I'd like to find out a little bit more about each of you. So I'm going to start with Mara. Mara, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're here to talk about the Miranda Warnings Project? Sure. I'm a current Master of Design and MBA student at the Illinois Institute of Technology's Institute of Design. And how were you involved with the project? I was the design lead on the project. So from discovery all the way to prototyping and testing, I've been sort of the one doing the day-to-day work. And Melba? Good morning. My name is Melba Pearson. I'm the deputy director of the ACLU of Florida, former prosecutor. I am the co-chair for the prosecution function committee of the American Bar Association, and I also serve on the governing council for the Center of Innovation. And it's been an honor to be involved in this project, to watch its development, and be able to talk about it to a variety of different audiences. Matt? I'm Matt Riedel. I'm a county and prosecuting attorney from Sheridan, Wyoming, of And at the time that uh, the project was taken on, I had the uh, privilege of being the chair of the criminal justice section. Okay. Jeremy. My name is Jeremy Lexis. I am on the faculty of the Illinois Institute of Technology, and I was the faculty advisor for the project who helped with all of the research, design, and prototyping. Richard. I'm Richard Pena. I'm the chair of the ABA Commission on Hispanic Legal Rights and Responsibilities. And we are the commission that initially uh, identified the problem of lack of uniform translations uh, in the country in Spanish and took it to the House. As it's been explained to me, this project first started kind of along when you were researching the 50th anniversary of the decision of Miranda, which led to the Miranda warnings. Richard, could you tell us a little bit about the origins of this project? Miranda was decided in 1966, and two years ago, the uh, ABA had Law Day, and they were celebrating uh, the 50-year anniversary of Miranda. The commission was asked to... uh, the, to participate in, in the process of doing the research for that presentation, we discovered that there was not a uniform translation of uh, Miranda uh, for law enforcement throughout the country. It was a bit of a shock when we discovered, you know, 50 years later that there was not. And we also, in our research, discovered that Spanish-speaking only clients, there are about 990,000 a year, Spanish-speaking only clients that are stopped and subject uh, would be subject to, to the, the constitutional rights being given to them, that many of them were inaccurate, and they didn't convey the meaning. The Supreme Court has said you have to convey the meaning. So we uh, went to the House of Delegates and formulated a resolution, uh, Resolution 110, saying that the ABA urged all uh, law enforcement agencies to have a uniform translation of the Miranda rights in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And Melba, in your work with the ACLU, is this 
a common issue that you see where people may not understand the uh, warning is delivered to them in English. Absolutely. Also, I'm a resident of Florida, and in Florida, we have a very multicultural environment. So we have people from all over the world, and law enforcement often encounters many different types of people in the line of work. And the problem is, if you may, let's say, be an officer of Cuban descent, and you're communicating the warnings to someone who is of Mexican descent, there is may not be an exact one-to-one translation just due to dialects and the difference in meanings of certain words. So even though you may have someone that's delivering the warnings in the appropriate language. The problem is whether or not the accurate message is being delivered. And how can you properly decide whether or not to waive your rights if you don't fully understand what's at stake and what's available to you? So I'm so thrilled to be a part of this project and be able to deliver the message of how critical having correct Miranda translations are in the criminal justice system. And Matt, can you speak to this from more of the um, prosecution or or law enforcement angle? I imagine many officers very much want to deliver the message clearly and and just didn't have a tool. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And, And frankly, it's not just prosecution. And this is why this was such a a no brainer, if you will, for the criminal justice section to offer funding for this project. Uh, Because, for instance, your law enforcement officer wants to deliver the warnings so that any statements made are going to be admissible at law. At the same time, defense counsel wants to know that the Miranda warnings were appropriately given, that they uh, conveyed all of the important information, and most importantly, that their, their client understood the information and made a knowing and voluntary waiver of those rights. And so that's the the critical aspect uh, for this. And what happened was that a year after Richard's resolution was passed by the House of Delegates, the criminal justice section offered a resolution that called for this to be done with all languages so that law enforcement could have access to that information. And Steve Salzberg, one of our delegates to the House of Delegates, uh, then said, pointed out to the House that they had just approved the creation of this center of innovation. And Steve said, we think that this would be an excellent opportunity for the center to have something to begin their work with because in 50, 51 years of Miranda, you would have thought that we would have already addressed these issues. We hadn't, it was high time that we did. So we've identified the issue, we've identified that uh, you know there are several ABA entities that wanted to address it, but let's talk about what you actually came up with. And Jeremy and Mara, I'd love to talk to both of you about this. What is the product that resulted from um, this this research and this funding. Can you describe it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we learned through the research of this project was that Miranda's delivered in a lot of various um, situations, and so we really had to deliver a suite of tools um, to help officers deliver Miranda within the different situations that they are find themselves in. 
So in order to do that, we um, have started, we prototyped a bunch of solutions and recommended two to um, the New Orleans Police Department. One is called Sit and Watch Miranda, which utilizes a computer in a police officer's car. Um, the computer is in the front of the car and usually suspects can see that computer and screen in the back. So we're using existing technology that exists in almost every police car um, within the U.S. these days. The other is called the Miranda card. It was inspired actually by a Walmart greeting card. Um, when you open it up, and it sings to you. Um, so it's a very simple laminated card with an audio module on the back that reads to you while reinforcing comprehension through um, sort of the written text as well as sort of images. And Jeremy, can you speak to the design challenges, not just of, as Melba mentioned, you have, even in Spanish, there are different dialects, there are different um, understandings of what a certain phrase you know, may connote. When you were presented with this design challenge, what were some of the ways that you found to address it, um, both you know in Spanish and then how else to communicate the information? Our school is is founded on the concept of human-centered design. So our our first step is to go and talk to people that we consider to be the key users and the stakeholders, which in this case was a, a very wide range of individuals, everyone from police officers um, to individuals who are in the criminal justice system to uh, folks who are advocates uh, for individuals who are in the criminal justice system, defense attorneys, uh, quite quite a long list of people to, to gather a, a range of specifications and do a lot of research about what will work and what won't work. Everything from very um, physical things like police officers have quite a bit of gear on them already, so we didn't want to, to add a lot of weight to it, all the way to um, if this was being delivered to someone who's not documented, how do we convey the seriousness of the issue, right? That, that was also a, a, a big part of the research as well. Um, so that's just an example of the, the wide range of different research um, that we worked on. I think we benefited from a, a very good partnership with the New Orleans Police Department, though, um, because they were very open and very honest about what would work and what would not. And just as an example of how it worked well, is they, um, when we showed them the sit and watch that uh, Mara talked about earlier, they said, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, we'll take your, your development of it, and we're going to put it on our web server, and now it allows them to use it in all of their interrogation rooms as well. So it moved beyond what we thought would be just uh, in, in the field tool uh, to one that they use in, in a variety of locations because um, it's very clear that even for their detectives, it's a more effective way for them to, to, deliver, the, mm -hmm. to deliver the warning. I think that's a great point, Jeremy. Um, you know, when the ABA originally pitched this idea, it was really around an issue of translation, that there are people out in the field and officers and they don't speak the same language and we need a tool for translation. And as we really dug into the problem, we started to see that it wasn't translation that was an issue and really um, Richard's team had done a great job of providing us a Spanish translation. It was really more an issue of communication and comprehension. And when we did that slight pivot, it expanded who we could talk to, it expanded the stakeholders who would be involved in this project and also expanded the kind of impact that we could have. So beyond Spanish language, um, perhaps, you know, there are, for instance, you know, we see in the news um, that many people crossing the border who are now being caught up in, in the family separation, the immigration, they don't speak English or Spanish. They may speak um, a Mayan dialect or a Mayan language. Are there currently in this project ways that the Miranda warning can still be communicated. Here I'm thinking about, you know, it was mentioned in the description that there's a pictogram or a pictorial 
aspect to the project? Is that something that is currently existing or that you're looking at down the road, Jeremy? So what we found to be the most effective was to have uh, a set of icons that um, uh, demonstrate each part of the warning uh, matched with language. And of course, there are there are so many languages out there. It's nearly impossible to to get every every single one of them. But in our testing, it has become clear that, that the combination of the two, even if uh, you don't speak the exact Spanish that's uh, being communicated through the warning, um, that it's uh, it's still better than someone just trying to read it to you as best they can, if that makes sense. I think that right now we have, um, with our partnership with the New Orleans Police Department, the first translation was in Spanish, and we have a, a certified translation for that. Uh, but we do plan to do Vietnamese next for them. Um, so we'll we'll continue to add we'll continue to add on to those. One other thing to to keep in mind too is that this is uh, it, it's almost impossible to to do everything. And uh, the 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 way that we think about this is it's taking a small bite out of a large apple. And our hope is that this uh, starts a larger conversation around issues exactly like that. We don't pretend that our technology and our tool can solve everything, um, but. Maybe we didn't know to ask that question before until we saw that, that this was available, and maybe it will start a larger conversation. And Melba, I'd just like to discuss the uh, Center for Innovation's involvement. You know, this is one of the projects that you've taken on, but are there uh, projects with similar kinds of impacts in the pipeline? What has the Center for Innovation, which is a fairly new entity, learned through projects like this? Well, we've definitely learned that the list of problems are endless. <laughs> so we will constantly have something to do uh, in order to try to move the needle forward with regards to the use of innovation and criminal justice. We're looking at ways that we can work on bail reform or re-entry. Um, we have a program coming up this November where we're going to highlight some of the amazing work being done in Louisiana by Judge Schlegel, who is using technology to be able to assist people in planning out, let's say, when their next court date is going to be, or be able to report to their uh, probation officer via an app rather than having to have to physically go to an office, it is going to assist with the rates of recidivism if someone is able to maintain employment and be able to easily reintegrate into society. So that's just a taste of some of the things we're working on, but we're constantly getting new ideas. We have wonderful fellows that are looking to develop new ideas as we speak. So stay tuned because many more great things are coming. And then if I am a listener who's intrigued by the New Orleans um, rollout and, and maybe wants to get involved or see it uh, start to be implemented in my area or even just find out more, how can I contact each one of you or get involved uh, through the ABA with this project? Uh, what are the avenues to do that? I'm going to start with uh, Richard. If anybody wants to contact me directly, my email address is richard at rpenalaw.com, R-P-E-N-A-L-A-W.com. I would refer them to the website of uh, the ABA Hispanic uh, Commission on Legal Rights and Responsibilities uh, because we have some information on, on our website. And then actually, Matt, if you could speak to uh, the criminal justice section. Uh, yes, if someone wanted to get in touch with me, they can reach me at uh, M-R-E-D-L-E at SheridanCounty.com, or they can call my office at area code 307-674-2580. 
And then our design team, Jeremy and Mara. The easiest way to find us is at our website, which is www.id, as an Institute of Design, and then a dot, and then IIT, as an Illinois Institute of Technology, then another dot, edu. Obviously, we didn't design the website name very well, so. <laughs> <laughs> and Melba. If you want to learn more about the Center for Innovation, you can find us at AmericanBar.org and then search for Center for Innovation. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can always find me on Twitter. My handle is at ResLegalDiva, R-E-S Legal Diva. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us today. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.